Hello there, you're welcome to Truth, the timeless word with practical insights. Your host is Reverend Bumi Omisha. That's uh, where the church, where we're going as a church, that we're a multi-generational church, multi-generational, multicultural church. We're building a church whereby no counterculture, but showing and expressing to the world how what or what is living author, under the authority of Jesus is. And we're a church that is um, very local, but also with a global perspective. You know, um, we are active in our community, um, socially, culturally, materially, everywhere. You know, we run the food bank. We, we um, in every Easter, uh, every August, we run the family farm fair. And um, we're looking to do a lot more within the community. And we have uh, missions that we're committed to. We have mission partners in different parts of the world. And uh, we have missions that we're committed to that we go. And as well, uh, Uganda, Nigeria, and different places. And um, of course, um, which you've heard, we're looking to set up um, life groups. Life groups are, you know, you can some call it house groups, some but deliberately we not call it a house group because we don't want it to be limited to the house. Um, small group, cell group, but um, life group. That's where life comes, you know. Uh, the, 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 the life of the body is in the cell. When the cell is infected, when the cell in the body is infected, it's problem, you know. Cancer, this coronavirus and all these uh, virus diseases, they affect cells in the body. And when you have a healthy cell, you have a healthy body. Amen. Praise the Lord. So life group is where the life of the church really takes place. And that's why we're looking for people who will lead, you know, who are willing to lead or who are willing to host. So you might be comfortable hosting, but you feel you don't have what it takes to lead or whatever. But everybody will be trained and you get up to speed anyway. The most important thing is your willingness to serve in whichever way. So please, if you are willing to host or lead, um... Um, see Pastor Joshua immediately after service, and um, I will take it from there. We will we'll give you the next steps. Praise the Lord. This morning, I want to minister on what I titled, Only the Best. Only the Best. It deserves only the best. And basically, the highlight of this message is that, look, God gave us his best. He demands his best from us, and the only thing that they will receive or the only thing that they deserve is his best, not, his, not our leftovers. And last week I was actually sharing to us the importance of giving. And I said that giving is not just about money. Giving is first of all about our hearts. Our heart is what determines what we give. You know, if our heart does not transpose to giving unto God, to give money would be impossible. And, um, and the, the struggle with tithes is not a struggle with money. It's a struggle of the positioning of the heart. I did say, you know, I made an audacious statement. I said, I've not seen anyone hungry and zealous for God or the kingdom of God that struggles to give tithes. I've not seen one. I've not yet, I'm yet to meet one. Maybe there are, I don't know, but I'm yet to meet one. If you can't give 10% of what God has given you, trust me, you can't give any more. You know, 
And I said, 10%, give me 10%, fight. It's not a matter of the money, it's a matter of obedience. Obedience and acknowledgement that God owns everything and it is God that has given the power to make this wealth. And you bring it before God and say, God, I acknowledge that everything I have is yours. And I bring this temptation as a token of the representation that you owe me and everything of me. You know, as I said, I said, when we say Jesus is my Lord, we're saying that Jesus owns me. And if Jesus owns you, if the Lord owns you, it means that you surrender, you give everything up unto you. This one I want to start from Romans. I'm going to go through a number of scriptures. And interestingly, when we were meeting this morning, you know, uh, we, we, we hit, this was what we were praying about. Uh, Romans chapter 12, go with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. And I'm reading from the New King James Translation. Paradventure, it sounds a little bit different from what you have. From verse 1 and 2, Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, or I beg you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You can put it this way, that your reasonable service is to present yourself holy, acceptable before God. Present yourself holy as a living sacrifice before God. That is your reasonable service. In other words, that's the minimum. That's the minimum. That's the basics that God requires of us. The basics. Present our body. Now, you notice that, and I want you to really focus on that word, a living sacrifice. The interesting thing is that, in a way, it's kind of a double-edged sword, that, that, that word, living. Because what is living cannot necessarily be sacrificed because what is sacrificed is killed, is dead. You know, when you talk of sacrifice, you are talking of death. You are talking of shedding of blood. You are talking of something that you lay down. So he's saying that, look, live, and the way, and I said live, which is present continuous. So it's not that you just make that sacrifice once and that's all. He said, every day, every second of our lives, we need to present ourselves as one laid down before the Lord. He said, that's the minimum we can offer to God. I love what Pastor Joshua used to say. Um, he says that um, God does not require of us food, but worship. Worship is not just about singing. Worship is, uh, worshiping as, is an expression of our heart. Our singing is just the, is just the, outward expression of what is in the heart. You know, um, one, one song that was brewing um, in my mind during the week, if I had to ask, you know, the, the song, you know, but I love one bit of it. It says, what shall I render unto my God? Don't ask me to sing the rest. Amen. 
But that just kept on coming. What shall I render unto my God? And here is, and Paul is saying that, look, I want to beg of you. And he says, in light of the mercy, I, I'm demanding of this. I, I, I'm encouraging you. I'm challenging you that in, in, in the view of God's mercy towards you. So you notice that God offers something before he even makes a demand. And he says, look, in view of God's mercy towards you, I want you to continuously lay down your life for him. Now, I'm going to show you through the scripture that irrespective of the experience of what we go through, God sees us in the eyes of his mercy. When you look at Genesis, when you look at Genesis um, chapter 3, when man sinned against God and they became exposed, the Bible says they became naked. And they were ashamed of what they saw. They felt the need to cover themselves. But you see, we were not even good enough to cover ourselves. And this is why you should never, never fight the battle yourself. This is why you must let God help you fight the battle. This is why you must allow God to lead your life. When man decided to lead his life, he did not even, he did not even know what is good for him or her. What did they do? The Bible said they went to find fig leaves and they covered themselves. And God knew that these leaves wouldn't take you that far. And what did God do? The Bible says God slaughtered the ram and put the skin of the ram, you know, shed the blood, you know, as an expression of his mercy towards them. Despite the fact, and I want you to note this, despite the fact that they sinned, is he had mercy. In the state of disobedience, he expressed mercy. So when Paul is saying, look, in view of God's mercy, he's telling you, remind yourself of what God has given up. And if God has given up so much, what is it? What is too big that is asking of you that is not worth giving it? Amen, somebody. And what I cover is that when God is asking or demanding anything of us, it's not because he wants more of what we have. I use an expression, for those of you who have little kids or those of you who had kids, you still remember, take them to McDonald's and you tell them, let me have one, one piece of the, of, the, of, of the chips or the french fries. And sometimes... They throw tantrums, sometimes they cry, sometimes, you know, they, they yell, they say, no, forget that you are the provider. Amen? So when God is asking for something, he's not asking because he wants to take away from us, he's asking because he wants to add to us. Amen? This is all I've got. And there's no likelihood if I give up this, that I'll be able to get something else or anything else. And you can feel, I mean, if Abraham came up with that argument, it's justifiable. He waited for so long to have Isaac. It was more or less his last bus stop. And God said, give it up. 
for me. And this is where the illustration of that friendship really works well. When God was asking Abraham, give it up. But thank God Abraham understood so well that if God can provide for me at my old age, he definitely knows what he's doing. So one thing you have to understand is that God has your back covered. Amen. Talk to someone and say, God has got you covered. When God gives instruction, he's got your back covered. It may not look sensible. It may look out of touch. It may look out of place. It may not sound, it may not sound sensible or, or wise what he's saying. But I want you to pay attention to what God told Abraham in verse 2. He said, and he said, take now your son, your only son. God emphasized that. Your only son. But you have to understand that before this, there was Ishmael. But Isaac was a son of promise. In other words, Isaac was God's construction. Ishmael was man's construction, was man's idea, was man's good idea. Then God said, whom you love, it's almost like God was rubbing that affection and the connection in. He said, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Watch this, the next thing. He said, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which are we what? He didn't say just go to any mountain, on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. On one of the mountains, which I will tell you. That is why when we bring our thighs before God, when we bring our offering before God, we must understand that there's a place, you see, if you go and put a seed, a very, very healthy seed of apple, you go and put it in the soil in Nigeria, you look at the soil and say, this soil looks very healthy. Guess what? It's going to die because the soil is not conducive for that fruit to grow, to nourish. And in the same way, if you bring a cocoa bean, you bring it to Great Britain, guess what? It's just going to fry. The, the cold is going to freeze it because the soil is not conducive to it. So God said, look, don't, not just to any mountain, said, to the mountain that I will show you. To the mountain I will show you. And that is why we've been, I told, that's why we've been encouraging you to, you know, to become part of, to become members of the church. And, and I did emphasize, membership is not a case to control you, but is your sign of commitment because Jesus, you know, everybody that followed Jesus were not his disciples. But there's a way in which the disciples were identified. They probably didn't have a form. I don't know how, they, but there's a way that they were identified. Because when they went, they knew who were Jesus' disciples. Amen. But it's not just on your part to commit. It's also on our part as leadership to be responsible. So it's a case of you being accountable and we being responsible for you. Amen. So God was not just telling and and the reason why God had to tell him to, to go to a specific mountain is that so that God will know where to meet him. And if you keep on going, in verse 3 he says, um, 
He says, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, he split the wood from the burnt offering and rose and went to the place which God had told him. He went to the place which God had told him. You see, it's a different thing to hear in instruction. It's a different thing to follow it. Response to the voice of God is what brings the blessing. Oh, I heard God. God spoke to me yesterday. He showed me a vision yesterday, and he did nothing about it. It's, 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 valuable. it's not valuable. Your response to God's instruction is what brings the blessing. So Abraham rose early in the morning, um, no, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And God said to his young man, um, to his young man, Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, we will come back to you. Of course, Abraham was, um, Abraham was taking, um, taking the young lads to the, um, to the slaughter. But I want you to jump um, quickly uh, with me to, uh, let's go to verse 8. Um, in verse 7, the son was asking, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where is the lamb? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. You see, if he had gone to a place where God has not asked him to be, God would not, if God had even intervened, he probably would have not, Abraham probably would not have met God. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, yeah, yeah. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Did you see that? Because he brought the offering of his son. God didn't say, I see the offering. God said, and I know that your heart is right. You fear God because you have not withheld your offering from me. The offering is not a problem. It's his heart. He said, I see your heart. Because you have not withheld your offering. And you know, God was ever the, your only son, the son that you love, your best gift. Yes, this is my last 10 pounds. Yes, this is my last one pound. This is my last 50p. God said, Yeah, I want that. But not because God wants to take away from you, it's because God wants to add to your life or multiply to your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then when you go, um, um, verse 15, then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself as one says the Lord, because you have done this thing and I have not withheld your son, your only son, look at verse 17, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven 
and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall be, shall possess the gates of the enemy. Verse 18. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's why in Galatians chapter 2, the Bible says that we are of Abraham's seed. Amen? We are the fulfillment of Abraham's obedience. Praise the Lord. We are the fulfillment of Abraham's obedience. Abraham did not just have one son. He has us. Every child that is born again, everyone that is born again, is of Abraham's seed. Amen. So, he said, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So, Abraham turned to his young men and they rose and went together to Bathsheba and Abraham dealt at Bathsheba. And just emphasizing what I said last week that God, the only thing that God when you look at Exodus, um, when you look at Exodus 31, when God called, um, Exodus 35, when God was asking them to build a temple, the type of offering that God was asking for them, if you look at from verse 4 to 9, the type of offering that God was asking for them, he wasn't asking for, for, for rubbish things. He was asking for the best. He said, bring your gold, bring your diamonds, bring, you know, it was asking you know, the best of the things that they, uh, that they can deliver. And God has not changed. And that's why um, I asked you to read uh, Malachi chapter 1 last week. Did anybody manage to read it? Okay. When God was examining the hearts, when I said that the, the problem that, the, you know, uh, when you see that, uh, bring all your thighs out, shall a man rob? I think, oh, well, oh, pastor has come again. He's saying, no, no. Okay, let's go to Malachi chapter 1. Um, since, um, let's read it together so that you, um, I'm sure you know what we're saying. Look at verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. And what I'm saying is that if you don't circumcise your heart and give everything up for God, as you read in Romans chapter 1, offering yourself as a living sacrifice unto God, you will not be able to do anything. I've said it over and over, God never used idle people. God used busy people, committed people. And that's why I'm saying that if what you do for God has not cost you something, you have not started. If what you do for God has not cost you something, you have not started. It means that you are not offering your best gift unto God. If there's no cost to it, and we'll say a few scriptures to that. But let's start with this Malachi. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6. Look at what God says. This is God telling us. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I am, if then 
If then I am the father, where is my honor? Where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my reverence? Where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, and you all know that the Bible says that we are all priests according to the other Melchizedek, you know, because we're his royal priesthood. Praise the Lord. So he's talking to us, he's talking to you. He said, Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? And I pray that the Lord will deliver us from religion this morning in the name of Jesus. Religion despises God. You see, sometimes it's so easy to be in church and be among church people and forget the relationship that you have with God. A lot of people in church today are just playing religion. Their heart is separated and far from God. And the Bible says that according as we see here, it says that dishonors God. Look at verse 7. says, you offer defiled food on my altar. They're still offering. They're still presenting sacrifice. But it is the food that they couldn't eat that they go and present before God. It's the food that, they, that of, of no use or both benefit to them. That's what they go to prefer, uh, prefer God. So it's something that has not cost them anything. Their leftovers is what they go to offer God. And God said, this defiles me. He said, in what way have we defiled you by saying the table by saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer, look at the sacrifice they offer. And when you offer the sacrifice, when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, you need to go to Leviticus and see the quality of sacrifice. That God says, bring before me animal without blemish. So he has to be perfect. A perfect animal. So, you can imagine a, a, a farmer, a farmer looks at, man, this lamp will fetch me the most money. It's the fattest, it's the luscious, you know, it's very attractive. If you put it in the market, it's going to be, get the best price for it. And that's what God is asking for. But God is not asking for it because he doesn't want it to profit or to prosper in his business. In fact, it's the reverse. As he saw in the, uh, in the life of uh, Abraham. Abraham offered Isaac his best and only gift unto God. And he got nations for it. Amen. He said, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, it is, not, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorable, says the Lord of hosts. We offer to God even what we cannot offer men. Some of the way we serve God, we cannot even offer men. And we present it to God. May the Lord help us in the name of Jesus. 
Turn your Bible with me to um, 2 Samuel verse 24. I just want to show you that whatever you offer to God and does not cost you anything is not worth the offer. It's religion, not relationship. You don't give your leftover of time to people that you honor and respect. You give your best. Amen. Look at verse 24. Then the king said to Haruna, actually let me read from uh, 2 Samuel 24, let me read from verse 21. Then Aruna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. You know, last week I was telling you, I said, when you look at the book of Malachi, they were, at, the point, at that point in time that they were looking, they were living under a curse. And God actually revealed to them that the reason why you were living under a curse was because what you offer me as sacrifice, your worship to me what despises me. And God was saying that that is why you're living under a curse. But if you bring your thighs and offering before me, you bring your first fruits, your best gifts before me, then I will reverse that. I will open the windows of heaven. I will, I will bless you. You become the delightful one in the land. That's the result of it. And here, um, King David was, uh, was looking for a place to erect an altar to God. Of course, um, everybody around feared him. They recognized him that, you know, he served a God that they didn't understand. But that God, you know, um, is in control of everything. So David came to them and said, look. I guess for that king, as far as he's concerned, for David coming there is that he wants to fight me. He asked him, why, why, why are you here? And David said, I want the land. And look at his response. Look, look at, let's look at the conversation. Uh, verse um, 21. And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, let my lord the king Take an offer of whatever seems good to him. Look here. Our offerings for burnt offering sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna. O king, Aruna has given to the king. In other words, whatever you need for the sacrifice, I give it to you for free. Look. One thing I learned is that don't be, don't be too excited when you get things for free. Don't be too excited because the Bible says that we are more blessed in giving than in receiving. In other words, the blessing is in the giving, not in the receiving. Amen? I'm not saying that you should refuse receiving 
you know. But the greater blessing is in giving. Um, there, there, there's something. There's something that um, my my mother used to say. Said, the hand of the giver is always on top. If you take, if you think about it, if you are giving something, is on top, and the receiver is like this. Amen. So when we say I'll be the head and not the tail, what you are saying that I'll be a giver and not a receiver. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And David said, you know, he said, look, anything you need for your worship, I will give it to you free of charge. Don't even bother about it. Ah, you're a king. But look at David's response, verse, verse 24. Then the king said to Aruna, no. Not because he didn't appreciate it, but look at his reason. But surely I will buy, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Everybody say for a price. I will surely buy for you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offering to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. I don't mind taking it. It's not a problem, but look, I can't, I can't offer anything to God that doesn't cost me anything. That's how that song keeps on going. What shall I render to my God? Amen. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord indeed heeded the prayers for the land and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. Amen. Authentic worship. That's why we can't do anything for his kingdom without a price. Amen? Yes, he shed his blood, his mercy. But, you know, I started with, you know, he, he, he first of all expressed his mercy. He first of all forgave us. In the, mess, in the midst of our mess, he see, expresses his love to us. Hallelujah. And all he deserves is our very best. Amen to somebody. Now, what he desires of us, what he desires of us, they come with rewards. And I'm going to show us a few rewards. But one of the characteristics of how we give is that, you know, two characteristics of what we give and how we give is that, number one, it comes with a price. Number two, it must be done cheerfully. In fact, number three, it must be done willingly. Amen? I emphasize on that last week. It must be done willingly, it must be done cheerfully, and with a price. Praise the Lord. But let's quickly look at the rewards. Look, turn your Bible very quickly with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Verse 29 to 30. Let's quickly look at some rewards of offering our best gift to the Lord. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 18, verse 29 to 30. Luke chapter 18, 29 to 30. 
Let me start reading from verse 28. You know, Peter was a boisterous man. He would say his heart. He would ask any question. And this was, um, this was when God laid, um, they felt that God's standard in attaining the kingdom was very high. And they said, who can, who can attain this? God said, well, Jesus said, with, with, with God, everything is possible. Then in verse, 20, um, in verse 28, Peter said, then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. See, we have left all and followed you. It's cost us so much following you. We've left our business. We've left our family. So what is this in it for us? So he said to them, Assuredly, in other words, without a shadow of doubt, I said to you, there is no one. Everybody say there is no one. Who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom. In other words, no matter, there's no one who had paid a price for the sake of the kingdom shall go empty-handed. Amen. No one. Say, look at verse 30. Who shall not receive many times more than this present time and the age to come eternal life. So God is saying that, look, whatever you give up for his kingdom, you will not only receive that which you give up, but a lot more. Hallelujah. So, you see, there's nothing that you do in the kingdom that literally you do for nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is the promise of the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, let's look at it. I just want you to look at the reward. I could have just run through that, but I'll finish with this reward. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Every farmer deserves an harvest. There is no labor that you do in the kingdom that does not come with a return. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Verse 6. It says, The hard working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Amen. Every hard working farmer must be partaker, first partaker of the fruit. May the Lord reward you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 7. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 18. Proverbs chapter 27. Verse 18. The benefit in service. Verse 18. Look at, he said, whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruits. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruits. So he who waits on his master will be honored. Amen. You can't go without benefits. Praise the Lord. 
The, reward, the Lord is the rewarder of laborers. Amen? And you'll be rewarded in Jesus' name. You see, everybody has something to bring to the kingdom. We have gifts, we have experience. Some have money, some have time. Some have service, some have what they can give. Everybody has something. You have something. Hallelujah. Because if you have something, it means that God has excluded you from blessing and he has not excluded anyone. In closing, let's look at Psalm 41. There is benefit in service. You know, sometimes, sometimes you don't even need to pray certain prayers. Because your works answers for you. Hallelujah. Look at from verse 1. I'll read from verse 1 to 3. He said, blessed. That word blessed means happy. It means fortunate. It means prosperous. Blessed is a man. Or blessed is he who considers the poor. You see? Sometimes my heart aches when some weekends we have nobody to turn up at the food bank. The food bank gives us an opportunity to serve the poor, to meet, you know, to, to, to meet needs in the name of the Lord. And sometimes I think you just need to listen to some stories. There are people who come there who take advantage of it, but, well, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, there's really nothing you can do about it. But sometimes, there's someone that I hear the story and I, th and I say to myself, if for any reason, that, you know, this is, this is the reason. I, I remember when I had, um, I served a lady one time ago. The lady came, and you see, that's why you you don't actually need to look at people. You don't look at people and make prejudgments upon them. I met this, uh, I saw this lady. She, I was the one that actually led her in. But she came out of this nice, um, and this was the early days we started football. She came out of this nice, lovely um, Range Rover car. And I was saying to myself, you're in the Range Rover and you're coming to food banks, you know. And, uh, but I spoke with her in the week. I didn't realize that she was the one that I spoke with. She was married, she had six kids, and the guy decided to take a trip. So she was left, and they had, unfortunately, she was qualified. She had about two or three degrees, but she never worked because her husband had so much. She was working, she had so much money. So every income was just on the husband and everything. And the husband decided to take a flight. And suddenly, all the kids were in private school where, you know, they had, I mean, they had a big house. She was telling me on the phone, said, but I'm really hesitant to come into football. I don't know. Said, as, as I'm speaking to you, I, we have nothing that we can, I don't even know where to start from. And I said, just come, you know, uh, we make sure we respect everybody's dignity and everything. So I saw, I didn't realize that she was one I spoke with. And when I then sat out with her, she now poured out her story. She was weeping. She was like, 
well, I mean, I feel, you know, this, that, you know, I can, I say, look, life never gives warning sometimes some of these things. And none of us legislate for them, but life just happens sometimes, you know. And thank God that we are here to, even if we are not really solving any problem, but at least we can step in the gap of the immediate needs, you know. And, um, and well, I mean, I didn't hear from us since then. I, I assume that, well, things um, got better. Or, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is that at that point in time, we were able to fix it. Oh, there's another guy that's, you know, an old grown man. The guy was just weeping, weeping when, when I gave him the food. And, the, and, I, and I was wondering, why is this grown man weeping? And the guy said something. Now, for those of you social workers and everything, close your ears now. Don't, you know, was years back. Anyway, you know, because I'm sure you probably say, save God, save God. You just close your ears for one minute. And the guy said, I determined that if, because, you know, he's gone to job center, they say, go here, go here, go here, no help. And he said, he's made up his mind that if I come here and they push me somewhere else, I'm going to go kill myself, kill my baby, kill my wife. Finish. You know, that's, and so, it's like, wow, okay. You know, so basically what I'm just trying to say is that there's sometimes that you just have, there's a moment. And you don't know what, you don't know what you're solving, you don't know what you're, 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 you're doing, you know. And, uh, but God registers and sees all of these things. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I want to encourage us just to just take opportunity of it. Look at this verse uh, from verse 1. He said, blessed is he who considers the poor. He said, watch this. The Lord will what? Deliver him in time of trouble. Let me tell you, trouble, times of trouble will come. If it has not come yet, it will come. Again, it's not something you legislate for. Hallelujah. He said, the Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will bless on earth, on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemy. You know, all my enemies fall down and die. Look, this is just the deliverance. Instead of you wasting energy for your enemies to fall and die, you'll be surprised they wouldn't fall and die. You know, the Bible just say, go and help the poor. I will deliver you. Amen. Hallelujah. But look at the best bit I love so much is the verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sick bed. Look, when I had the stroke three years ago, this is one scripture that came, that became real to me. I mean, I, I remember the, the nurse taking us to the ward. The nurse said, I've seen recovery, but... I've worked there for, I think, about 13 or 15 years. He said, I've seen recovery, but we've never seen anything like this before. Because other than I treated in um, A and E, she finished her shift. She came to the ward and said, I just need to come and see to, to verify that what I see is what I'm seeing. He said, because none of this make any sense. He said, do you know how bad you were when you came in? He said, you had double strokes. He said, in fact, he said, your chances of recovery was very slim. He said, but to happen 
at the space of time that happened without even finishing the treatment. So he said, I can't even tell you that it's my treatment that did it because the treatment was not finished. And he said, there's no God. Amen. And I just want us to, you know, let the word, let the word marinate in our spirit and take it as it is. Praise the Lord. Even though it doesn't make sense. And what I discovered is that the word of God does not make common sense. It runs contrary to the way the world wants us to believe. But I want to challenge you this morning. Become a believer of the word. Agree with God's word. Amen. Let's finish. I know I said I was going to finish, but I want us to finish with that scripture that I started with. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, continuous sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's the least you can do. But look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, you've got to walk against the system of the world, the perception, the, 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 the mindset of the world. But be what? Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You need to reprogram your mind. That the word of God is true. God has my back covered. If you understand that God has your back covered, trust me, it will not be difficult to leave the world. But this is the bit I love most. And I want you to see that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. That you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. God wants us to be his signpost to the world. Where God's, the only way we can prove that God exists, the only way we can prove God is true, is by living his word. By reprogramming our world, you know, through his word, then we'll be able to prove to ourselves and to the world and people around us that indeed God is good and is acceptable in the name of Jesus. Let's just rise up to our feet. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Our Father and our God, I thank you, Lord, for your word that has gone for this morning. Thank you, Lord Almighty, for showing us mercy. Thank you, Lord, for loving us, O God, even while we were sinners. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your best gift. For you so much love us that you gave Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, unto us, that as many of us that believe, do not die, but have eternal life with you. Our Lord and our God, we appreciate your goodness over us, Lord. I pray, O oh God Almighty, Lord, for your grace and your mercy over our lives this morning in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God Almighty, that Lord will not just be hearers of this word, but will be doers of them in the name of Jesus. That in every way and any way your word has come as a challenge to us, that Lord will live up to it, O oh God. Offering our best gifts before you. Offering nothing but something that will cost us unto you, Lord. Father, we pray, O God Almighty, 
knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us from all sins and unrighteousness. In every way that we have given you our leftovers. In any ways that we presented before you our residues. We confess them as sin this morning. We ask, O oh God, for your mercy in the name of Jesus. And we pray, O oh God, that in the name of Jesus, that Lord, you will stir our heart, O oh God. That Lord, even as you stir the heart of David, O oh God, even while he had opportunity to offer up before you, to build an altar on something that will not cost him. He chose not to take the offer, but to offer you his best. Father, thank you, Lord Almighty, that through your word this morning, that you will reprogram our mind, O oh God, to offer you nothing but the best. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray, O oh God, that in every way that we've dishonored you, we ask, so God, for your mercy. And ask, O oh God Almighty, that your, your name alone be glorified. That you be lifted up, O oh God, and you be enthroned in our life today in the name of Jesus. We bless you, we honor you. Thank you, Lord Almighty, that as we depart, as we leave here, O oh God, we ask, O oh God Almighty, that Lord, we go, O oh God, in the power of your strength and your might in the name of Jesus. We pray, O God Almighty, that, Lord, your word will not return to you empty-handed, but it would accomplish the purpose to which you sent it for in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Almighty, for your word that works in us, both to will and to do good according to your own good pleasure. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody magnify God. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's declare Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He lives in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You are not my head with all. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord now forevermore. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful week ahead of you. And remain blessed. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by this message, please do share and subscribe to ensure that you always get the latest episode. I'd like to hear from you. If you have any comments or prayer requests or counseling need, we are here to help you. If you are calling outside the United Kingdom, it's 4477-6911-9449. Alternatively, email revbumi at gmail.com. And that is R-E-V-B-U-N. MI at gmail.com or connect via social media Facebook RevB.Omidron or Twitter at PSTBUO hashtag podcast that is at PSTBUO hashtag podcast I look forward to hearing from you sharing with you same time God bless you